0: Or is it? This is a test of selective attention. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball. How many passes did you count? The correct answer is 15 passes. But did you see the gorilla? This video is from research by Daniel Simons and Christopher Chabrie and is copyrighted. It is available for use in talks, training, and teaching on DVDs from Vizcog Productions. I want you to really be honest. How many of you did not see the gorilla? Put your hand up. Oh! Really? Didn't see the gorilla? Howard, what happened? No gorilla. Okay. Interesting. Well, actually, don't feel so bad. When this original experiment was done in 1999, by a guy called Daniel Simons and Christopher Shabry, 70% of the viewers did not see the gorilla. So you're in good company. Which was then used to say that people can be blind to the obvious, right? The question I want to ask you this morning is this, in what ways might you be blind to the obvious in your life? In what ways are you blind to the obvious? Isn't that why Jesus said, take the log out of your eye before you take the splinter out of another person's eye? Because the obvious is not always obvious, or is it? It can be so obvious what someone else is doing, especially when what they're doing is harmful and hurtful to others, but not so obvious to them. How many times have you said to your children, if you've got children, how many times have you said, said something like this to them, isn't it obvious what you've done? And what do they say? It's not obvious at all. It usually comes back in the form, it wasn't me, it wasn't my fault. Obvious is not always obvious to our children, is it? But the test of obviousness comes when someone comes along and points out something hurtful that you have done. How obvious obvious is it to you when someone points out your sin, your fault, your hurt? The vaccine debate today is perhaps the most obvious example of the obvious not always being obvious, right? Clear as mud. But the obvious not always being obvious is really hard when someone falsely accuses you of doing something you haven't done. But the obvious being obvious is really tricky when it comes to judging someone's motives. You can think it's so obvious why someone has done something that they've done. It seems to be so obvious that the reason they've done what they've done when the obvious is not that obvious. That's why the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Is it not obvious that this magnificent world of order and beauty has been made by a powerful eternal God? Paul in Romans chapter 1 says it's so obvious, but people suppress what is obvious. I mean, is it not obvious to you that trying to be saved by keeping the law is a useless thing because we all fall short? Of the glory of God. Yet it's not so obvious to people even coming to church because they're still trying to be good enough when good enough is not good enough and never will be. Is it not obvious that Jesus Christ rose from the dead physically? Yet that's not even obvious to some people who call themselves pastors. When Jesus met his disciples on the road to Emmaus, remember the two of them? And He appears to them and He opens up their minds to understand the Scriptures. And He says to them, is it not obvious that the Messiah in the Old Testament had to die and rise from the dead? Is that not obvious? But the obvious was not yet obvious to those disciples. But perhaps there was was no one more blind to the obvious than the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10. In fact, when we consider his blindness to the obvious, it seems to be quite staggering. Got your Bible, open up with me and turn with me to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to pick up the story from about verse 12. We read it, that the the sheet and the vision comes down and and the sheet from heaven, it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And here is Peter's response. He says in verse 14, he says, Surely not, Lord, Lord, never. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. But hang on a second. Hang on a second. Is this not the same Peter that was with Jesus in Mark chapter 7 when Jesus said, It's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It's what? It's what comes out of your Your heart, was was Peter not there? What Was it not obvious to Peter that that all foods are clean? We can eat anything that we want to eat. Is it not so obvious that eating or not eating doesn't bring you any closer to God? I mean, obvious is obvious, right? Or is it? But the vision was obviously a lot more than food. Let's go down to verse 27. So while talking with him, that's Cornelius, Peter goes inside and he finds this large gathering of people. And he says to them, you are well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you have sent for me? But, 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 but hang, hang on a second. Is this not the same Peter that was on the mountain in Matthew chapter 28 that heard Jesus say, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations? Did Peter not hear that? Is this not the same Peter that saw Jesus witnessing to the Samaritan woman at the well? Is this not the same Peter that saw all the miracles both to Jews and to Gentiles? Was this not the same Peter that heard Jesus say that the gospel has got to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? Is this not the same Peter that's got the Holy Spirit living inside him? Is this not the same Peter who, who, who at Pentecost gets filled with the Spirit, stands up, preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people are saved? I mean, obvious is obvious, right? Or is it? But we're obviously not like Peter, are we? I mean, do you remember Peter? He, he, uh, Back in Mark chapter 8, he takes Jesus aside and he rebukes Jesus. Remember that? Rebukes Jesus. Jesus starts talking about dying and rising again. And Peter takes him aside and rebukes him and says, Lord, never, never, never. That's never going to happen to you. And we go, well, we would obviously never do that, would we? But we rebuke the Lord every single time that we complain about something that He brings into our lives that we don't like. Peter, he denies Christ three times. Obviously, we would never do that, would we? And yet, we deny Christ every single time we should speak about Him, and we don't. But let's not be too harsh on Peter this morning. Obvious is not always obvious because obvious is progressive. Obvious is progressive. What do I mean? When we become a Christian by faith in Jesus and we are filled with the Spirit like Peter was, we don't get all the obvious all at once. In fact, we never fully, fully get the obvious, do we? Not while we live this side of heaven in these earthly bodies. Obviousness needs to grow. It's progressive. Just like babies, uh, small little physical babies, they need to grow into the fullness of adulthood. Newly birthed, spirit birthed, baby Christians, they need to grow into the obviousness of faith. Look how Peter puts it eventually in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. This might be a shocking thing for you to hear, but back in Acts chapter 2, when the apostle Peter gets the Spirit, he's actually a baby Christian. He's a baby Christian in Acts chapter 2, and he's still growing. And in in some ways, he's actually still a baby Christian by the time you get to Acts chapter 10. Why? Because obvious is progressive. Seeing the truth, knowing the truth, getting the truth, believing the truth, living the truth is something that has to grow. It's progressive. And the obvious will grow more and more in your life as you crave the Word of God, as you love the Word of God, as you read the Word of God, as you study the Word of God, as you meditate on the Word of God, and you obey it. But let me just show you something. Let me give you a little reason. It's in, the, in verse 28. Let me give you a reason why, why there was a block to the obviousness for Peter. Why? Why? The obvious was not so obvious, and do you see it in verse twenty-eight? He stands in front of these uh, these these Gentiles. He says, "You are well aware that it's against what our law for a Jew to associate or a visit a Gentile." Which law? Which law? That was the Jewish law, right? That wasn't the biblical law. Do you see it? See, one of the reasons why Peter couldn't get the obvious was because he was still, as a Christian, filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 10, he is is still paying more attention to the laws of man, the laws of the Jews, the traditions of men, than he is the Word of God. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, that is a clear and ever-present danger for all of us all of the time where we keep slipping back into this thing of of being more, more attentive to the words of man or the laws of man or the traditions of man or the preferences of people. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way that we're doing it. This is the way we're going to do it. All those things always need to be brought back and say what? What does the Word of God say? So Peter, even in Acts 10, if I can use a little phrase from the Vine Project, when it came to gospel and the nations, he still had something of a ghetto mentality. He still has this ghetto insular mentality, but we know that he gets it. We know that he sees it. We know that progressively the Spirit opens up the eyes of his heart because, have a look at this, in the very next chapter, when Peter needs to go to the Christian council to report back at what happened at Corny's house, listen to what he says. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on us. As it had come on us at the beginning, Acts chapter 2. And I remember what the Lord had said. John, baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same Spirit he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I would stand in the Lord's? way? You see, he gets it. He does get it. And then a few years later, he writes this. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you see it? Anyone and everyone, not just the Jew, but the Jew and the Gentile. Oh, He gets it. The obvious is obvious, eventually. Is the obvious obvious to you? Well... Let me try and show it to you in a way that I hope is going to be fresh and is going to be exciting. And I've even come up with a new logo for the church in the process. Not sure whether Simon will like it, but uh, anyway, we'll go with it. Let's start. You got your Bible. You can go with me in your Bible, but we're going to do a little bit of a little bit of a journey here. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter eleven. And, uh, well, before we get to Genesis chapter 11, do you like those things? Do you know what that is? Dot to dot. Oh, loved them as a kid. Absolutely loved it. I don't do them anymore. Anybody do them? So you can put up your hand. Julie, it's okay. It's not a sin to do dot to dot. It's okay. okay. All right. Lovely things, right? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to do dot to dot. We're going to dot to dot with the gospel to the nations, again, in a way that I hope is, is fresh and exciting. So here's our first dot. And that's in Genesis chapter 11. And I won't tell you the whole story. You know the story. I still haven't figured out, is it Babel or Babel? Which one do you think? Let's go with Babel, okay? Go with Babel. Right. Well, little thing. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a movie called Babel, Babel, whichever one you want. And uh, the, the, the opening scene in the movie, uh, there's a tourist bus going through the, uh, through the desert. And there's a sniper in the hills. And the sniper sends off a bullet and the bullet actually hits a tourist, a female tourist, in the bus and she's killed. And in the movie, the movie is actually all about the incredible worldwide consequences that came from that stray bullet hitting that woman at that time. If I can put it this way to you, you know the story, man builds this this big, 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 big tower, right? And and notice verse 5, God comes down, that's biblical humor. And uh, God, as it were, puts a bullet in man's arrogance and pride. Because if you look at verse 4 of Genesis chapter 11, they don't want to be scattered. And so they, they build this big, 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 uh, a big tower. God puts a bullet in it. He confuses their language. And the key dot is verse 8. So the Lord scattered them from them all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. So there at Babel, the Lord scatters all the people over all the earth. And therefore, it is so obvious how people got to Australia, right? They got to Australia when they were sent packing at Babel. And they eventually got, I mean, obvious is obvious, or is it? Let's go to our next dot. It's the very next chapter. And you, you know the promise to Abraham, don't you? So Genesis 11 uh, um, is, is Babel scattered, and then God calls Abraham. And let me read it to you. Genesis 12, one to three famous words of the Bible. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land. I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing, though... Uh, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And the key little dot, verse 3, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Obvious? Babel, they are scattered. The nations are scattered, right? All peoples are scattered all over the world. What's going to happen in Genesis 12? Through Abraham, all the nations are going to be blessed. Obvious is obvious, right? Or is it? Let's go to our next dot. We land in 1 Kings chapter 8 many years later. God has fulfilled His promises to Abraham. He's given Abraham a land or his descendants a land. He's He's raised up the nation of Israel through the loins of Abraham, through the the sons of Jacob. He's given them a king. It was Saul, David, and then Solomon. And Solomon is told by God to build a temple, and a magnificent one at that. And we pick up the story in 1 Kings, whoops, too far, 1 Kings chapter 8 from verse 10. When the kings withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord which Solomon had built. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled His temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that He would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. The temple symbolizes the presence of God with His people. The temple symbolizes that God dwells intimately with His people. The temple symbolizes that God blesses His people by coming near to them. So the promise of blessing to the nations through Abraham is what? That God will draw near to them. But God's presence in a temple couldn't mean forever, could it? I mean, it couldn't mean forever, 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 could it? Why not? Where's the temple? In Israel. Where are the nations? In the nations. How does the presence of God go to the nations? Are Israel meant to build a temple in all of the nations? Obvious is obvious, right? Or is it? Because even the angels and even the prophets of old, they couldn't figure this one out. How does the blessing go to the nations? Well it just gets a bit more weird, because in our next dot, the very temple that God told Solomon to build is destroyed. The very place where God says, I'm going to put my dwelling forever is destroyed. Why? Because God's people were unfaithful. God's people were, were, were adulterous. God's people were, were unrepentant. And so what God does is He raises up the, the, the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, and He raises them up and they go into Jerusalem and they destroy the temple completely. 2 Chronicles thirty six nineteen. they set fire to the Lord's temple. They broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burnt all the palaces and they destroyed everything of value there. God destroys the very temple that he tells Solomon to build. And then 70 years later, when the Israelites come back to the land, he tells them to rebuild the temple. Obvious is obvious, right? The new temple is rebuilt. Ezra chapter 3 verse 10, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, son of, the sons of Asphar, with symbols, they took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. Right, you with me? God scatters the nations, right? As far as Australia, woo-hoo. He then says to Abraham, I'm going to bless all the nations through you. He then tells Solomon to build a temple where his presence will dwell forever. But then God destroys that temple because of the unfaithfulness of the Jews and then tells the Jews to rebuild the temple. Obvious? Obvious. But we still haven't got to the nations, have we? Do you know where the next dot's going to land? Here it comes. John chapter 2. Now again, very familiar story. If you looked in your text or looked in your Bible, you'll notice that that is the story of Jesus. He takes it a whip, and He whips out the money changers from the temple, and he says, you're making this place into a den of robbers, and He whips the whole lot out. Remember that? And we pick it up in verse 18 after he's done that. The Jews are a little bit irate and they, say, they respond to him and say, well, Jesus, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus says, well, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. Uh, Jesus... It's taken 46 years to rebuild this one, and you're going to raise it in three days. Obvious? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he said, Then they believed the Scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Obvious, right? In Jesus is the new temple of God. In Jesus is the temple to whom all the other temples in the Old Testament pointed. In Jesus is the dwelling place of God, not in a building, but in a person. Jesus is the temple that is destroyed and rebuilt at the resurrection. It's His temple, it's Him that must go to the nations. Obvious? Then Jesus said, after he was raised from the dead, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you until the very end of the age. It's the Jesus temple that we take to the nations. As we go to the nations with the Jesus temple, we actually carry the Jesus temple within us by His Spirit. And we speak the new temple to all peoples of all nations, of all colors, of all creeds, of all languages, of all ethnicities. obvious. It's not bringing the nations to Israel. It's not bringing the nations to the temple. It's taking the temple, the Jesus temple, to the nations. It's not about building another temple of brick and stone and mortar. It's about building people into a spiritual temple. Oh, and Peter got it. He got it. He did get it. Look at it. 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, here it comes. You like living stones are being built into a? Spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. (sighs) Isn't it obvious that it's the resurrected Jesus temple that must go to the nations? Isn't it obvious that we are to bless the nations? By taking the presence of Jesus to them. Isn't it obvious that the only hope for the nations is Jesus? Isn't it obvious that we must use all our resources as best we can to take the Jesus temple to the nations? Isn't it obvious that we must go, we must send, we must support, or we are disobedient, in the words of John Piper. Isn't it obvious that some of you have got to get up and go? Isn't it obvious? Is it not obvious that you need to pray for God to get you up and send you out? Isn't it obvious that the fields are wide unto harvest, but the, the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few, so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Isn't it obvious that we need to be very careful here at BBC that we don't get some sort of ghetto mentality? Isn't it very obvious, BBC, that we need to be very careful not to follow the ways of man, the laws of man, the traditions of man, the preferences of people, but the Word of God? Brothers and sisters, is it not obvious that we can waste so much time and so much talk on stuff that has nothing to do with discipleship making, whether here or there? Is it not obvious? Obvious is obvious, right? Or is it? When having a look, at, when uh, having a look at the. Uh, the Joshua, the Joshua Project stats of unreached people groups, and they're the stats for you. People groups, the amount of people groups, and there'll be some variation in this, but people groups in the world are estimated 17,410. Unreached people groups, that means a group that does not have a flourishing Christian community or church, local church of some, of some sort, Unreached people group, 7,398, which means out of a population in this world of over 7 billion people, 42.5% have not been reached with the Jesus temple. Obvious? Is? Obvious. Or is it? Or is it? Father, we, uh, we don't always get the obvious. And the obvious is progressive. And so could I ask you, Father, by your Spirit, to make the obvious more obvious, to open the eyes of our hearts of your people here at BBC, for us to see what needs to be seen, to see what you see, and for the obvious to be obvious and for us to respond in a way that honors you and pleases you and takes your magnificent son, the Jesus temple, the one who died and rose from the dead, the raised temple that we would take him to the nations. We ask in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the music team to come and uh, join me up front. And we're going to sing a, it's, it's a very familiar, it will be a very familiar hymn to some of you.